got 15 people wondering how the hell he make it out. Care this bucket the pain. And I got 18 dollars to my motherfucking name. And it's not a life, it's a game. And I'm a two-ton wrecking ball filled with pain. And I got a lot to say. Oh, when I'm still feeling good from yesterday. So stand up. If you're right on the crown, get down. Make the doctor proud. Stand up. If you're right on the crown, get down. Make the doctor What's up, everyone? Welcome back. Thank you for joining us on another episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. As always, I'm your host, Kelby Bachman. The song you just heard is Stand Up by The Revivalists, and it is also the walkout song for the next guest on the show, Major Stephen Crozier. Steve Crozier is a major deal. Not only is Steve a major in the United States Air Force, but he was also a major deal on the mat. He could be labeled as a late bloomer, finishing third at the Iowa High School State Wrestling Tournament his senior year. But he went on to compete for the Air Force Academy, qualified for nationals his junior year, and even won a match. He's now currently a pilot for the United States Air Force, and I'm also lucky enough to have him as a brother-in-law. Steve has always been a hard worker, both on and off the mat, and I'm honored to showcase his story on my podcast. So sit back, relax, and enjoy Major Stephen Crozier. Thanks for just sitting down and joining the podcast. I appreciate it. I know you're a busy man. So right out of the shoot, I just want to thank you for doing that for me. Thanks, Kelby. Yeah, not that busy, especially right now, but someday <laughs> I'll be busy again. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, I appreciate it. Uh, really glad to be here as well. I think this podcast you're doing is really cool to kind of highlight just different aspects of the sport of wrestling, talk a little bit deeper about it. And uh, yeah, glad to be here. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like you just mentioned different aspects, you're a pretty different aspect. You're, you know, you joined the air force, um, wrestled at the air force Academy. What, what was that like wrestling at the air force Academy? Uh, it was, I think it was good. I mean, I, I don't, I didn't wrestle anywhere else, but, uh, uh I was really excited to go there and I'm thinking back. So I graduated from the air force Academy in 2009 uh, so I got there in 2005. It's a different experience, right? So it's a, it's a four-year four-year program. It's a four-year deal. It's a military academy. So you got to think there's West Point, uh, the United States Military Academy. There's Annapolis, which is the Naval Academy. There's Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs. Uh, also, the Coast Guard Academy and the Merchant Marine Academy um, mm-hmm. are out there as well. It's kind of all similar style, I guess, arrangements where uh, it's a four-year program. And at the end you're commissioned into a specific service generally as a, as a, you know, junior officer. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was kind of, you know, knowing I was getting into that. Uh, but also I really, I wanted to be, I wanted to wrestle division one, uh, kind of coming out of high school. I knew that, uh, just to give it a shot. And, uh, so the Air Force Academy was kind of a good fit. Also, uh, also, you know, I was interested in, and flying and aviation. So I think that was part, part of the drive to also Colorado Springs is beautiful, but wrestling yeah. specifically there was, um, uh, something I wanted, wanted to do and wrestling when you, when you're at a service Academy, I'll, you know, I can talk to the Air Force Academy. It's, it's fun to be a part of something because there's, there's tons of things to do for a school, the size it's a little over 4,000 students. Um, you know, for a school that size to have just a ton of, of different, division one athletics is, I don't think that's normal. I know there's some, there's a lot of schools that aren't huge that have, uh, 
you know, different, different programs at that level. But it was, uh, it's kind of fun because you, you, a lot of your classmates are just doing, doing something like, you know, your roommate or your people down the hall in either direction are like participating in some sport traveling for gymnastics or football or baseball or what have you. It's everyone's kind of going in every direction and moving pretty fast all the time. Um, did the uh was it different like what was i gonna say like most of the time some or not most of the time sometimes when people go to school they're an athlete they describe themselves as an athlete first like that's their main priority but in the in the academy was it different like you know you're you're a student first yeah that's that's a really good point uh there's a lot to it there's there's a lot to it kind of like you're you're getting at um you're I mean, you're, you're a, you're a cadet really first, I guess, because you Mm -hmm. kind of training, you're training for this eventual career in the military. Um, And there's, there's a minimum commitment. So like, that's kind of the, the deal, right? So the Air Force Academy is free, right? You actually get paid a little bit. You get paid a stipend when you're there, a monthly stipend. And there's really cool travel and like, and education opportunities. Uh, But the flip side, I mean, I guess just as you would expect is then when you graduate, you owe five years of service. Uh, if you do pilot training, like I went to pilot training, so then you owe 10 and it just depends. So like there's, there's a, it's not, it's not just all, all one-sided, I guess. But, uh, so yeah, so the Air Force Academy has like kind of three phases, I guess you're, you're usually, you're kind of graded. You could say on like your, your academics is kind of the most important. And then there's this military aspect that is just kind of like leadership and they, 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 in a lot of ways you could call it like a leadership laboratory because you, the cadets themselves have a leadership structure. Mm -hmm. Um, and then, so you'll get like a job, like my senior year, I was the athletic officer for my squadron, which was a great, a great job, a great fit for me. It didn't have a, didn't require a ton of, uh, work, but then we also had a a cadet commander of our squadron, which was like maybe 120, 130 cadets. And they actually were kind of busy. They always were like, (laughs) <laughs> running different things and they would stand at the head of our squadron when we marched in parades kind of like a typical military style march in mm-hmm. a square uh <clears throat> yeah so then there's that aspect and then uh the final aspect would be like the athletic aspect so you would get uh you'd have to take a pt test which were kind of tough uh and uh you have to do a run test and then participate in something so like if you weren't in a sport like i was in wrestling so i just wrestled Mm -hmm. but if you weren't in a sport you'd participate in some type of intramural sport uh or a lot of people do club sports as well Um, i'm trying to think like i think our rugby team was a club sport but they were pretty competitive and would travel all the time to compete um uh but so that like fit the same bill um as like a as a intercollegiate sport Uh, you know you don't have to compete in like the intramural side. So anyway, so that's like, yeah, so there's all these different aspects uh, of the academy, which keeps you, keeps you pretty busy. I think yeah. if you're in a, if you're in a sport like I was, or if you're wrestling or doing something like I was, yeah, you're really busy um, because, you know, we train in the morning, we train in the evening, try to and train in the summer. Uh, but even cadets who were not doing that, they were surely doing some other club or some other team. Um, like we have like a falconry club because at the football games, I don't know if you ever watched the Air Force Academy football game, mm-hmm. uh, they'll have the falcon come out and fly around. And there's just a group of cadets who who basically run that program. And so that's just another <laughs> example of something kind of, I don't know, I'd, I'd never seen falconry before. 
And so for me, that was kind of out of the ordinary uh, uh, to see, but cool, but yeah. just kind of something, something, <laughs> something to do and to learn a lot about. And it's just like anything in life when you like, you kind of like open the door a little bit and peek inside and you realize this is not just, you know, this is a serious hobby profession for some that like has a lot of intricacies to it and a lot of history. Um, but it's just something you don't really realize until you're exposed to it. Did you say that they had, you had to be involved in something like a sport? Uh, well, for the athletic side, you have to, you had to play in just a squadron intramural sport at the very uh-huh. least, which would be like against other cadets. Uh-huh. Kind of, I mean, you could call it kind of like, and you had to take PE classes too, but to some extent, um, like I took like boxing, swimming, which really incredibly difficult. Uh, <laughs> we had a water survival course. Um, what else? There's a bunch. Yeah. Soccer. Ah, yeah. Swimming. Yes. Uh, I, I agree. Swimming would be insanely difficult. <laughs> <laughs> I've gotten better, but yeah, swimming is, yeah. Swimming is tough. I didn't grow up swimming. Uh, yeah. Oh, really? No. Interesting. I mean, not, I didn't... Like, not like competitive. I mean, I knew how to swim, I guess. Oh, yeah. I'll take a float. But yeah. <laughs> ever like, you know, I took swim lessons. Yeah. Oh, you did? Yeah. Yeah. But you know how it is. Not like, I'm not like swimming laps. I'm not swimming freestyle <laughs> laps like the time. Yeah. What have you. What made you decide to go to the Air Force Academy? Like, were they the ones recruiting you hard or did you consider any other division one schools? I know you said you wanted to wrestle D one, but yeah, I, uh, not, there weren't a t- I wasn't getting recruited like heavily by mm-hmm. anybody. I mean, my senior year, I placed third and in, in Iowa at one, um, one sixty, and, uh, it, when we were a two A school, uh, <clears throat> and so it wasn't like, you know, I wasn't like getting calls and all the mm-hmm. time or anything like that, but I did, I applied at Naval Academy, and they recruited me and then Air Force Academy. And then also I got in, I got a good academic scholarship, actually UNI. So my, one of my plans was to go to UNI, University of Northern Iowa and just walk on. And then, uh, uh, then there were other schools like University of Chicago, uh, which was a D3 school and kind of, it would have been probably, it would have been a great school in hindsight, Mm -hmm. but, uh, especially for the, for academics, but, um, they were, you know, it was just a smaller school. And so I kind of wanted to get into, uh, so uh, like to answer your question, no, not a ton, <laughs> but, uh, the only other recruiting trip, I only did two. I went out to Naval Academy and I went to Air Force Academy. Really? What, what, what per- pushed you to the Air Force as opposed to the Naval Academy? Um, love the location really was interested in, um, kind of like the Air Force aviation, it, it, Navy, the Navy has a ton of aviation too. I think. Mm-hmm. Technically, they probably have more planes in the Air Force because the Navy is huge. I don't know that. Don't quote me on that. But, yeah. <laughs> uh, but I like the percentage of people who go to the Air Force Academy and then end up flying is, I think, a little. I think it's higher. It's like half, half, the, half the grads or so. When I showed up, I actually had really bad vision, um, so oh, it wasn't even a yeah, sure yeah. thing for me. So I had to get uh, PRK, which is like LASIK, um, before I could get like medically qualified. But, really, so what was that like? You got LASIK. Did, did that? Uh, did you do that after wrestling, or were you? Still I did wrestling? it before my junior year um, at the Air Force Academy. Yeah, and it was. I mean, it's their program. They they I did it. They do it right there. 
and it was it's awesome my vision's still great it's really i mean to me a miracle surgery like <laughs> just like because my vision was pretty bad and uh yeah and then that so then with that i could be qualified to like have the vision required to go to pilot training and kind of pursue mm-hmm. that career yeah because you can't do it with contacts right uh some people wear glasses there's some limit like i don't know what it is there's mm-hmm. some i mean please no one listen to this and be like oh that's that's the medical <laughs> answer but there's some like limit to how bad your vision can be and i don't know what it is okay but mine was well beyond. Yeah. <laughs> well so, beyond. so it's a limit to how bad your vision is. It's not whether or not you have to work. Like, I just always thought if you wore contacts or something, one fell out while you're flying. Like for me. Yeah. You don't I mean, wear contacts. No, no. I've, nobody wears contacts. I, th- I I don't think so. I think people wear uh, uh, glasses. Mm-hmm. Like there's like these really sweet looking uh, <laughs> Air Force glasses that people will throw on when they're getting yeah. to fly. Oh, really? Okay. And it has your prescription. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why I never thought of that. I, I just never wear my glasses, I guess. That's why. Yeah. Well, but. If you don't need them, I mean, <laughs> I don't know. I was pretty bad. Like I couldn't like read the clock or do anything before I got here. Like I couldn't see a whiteboard or anything. I had to wear our contacts usually. Now, it's something I just thought of. You you got it. You said you got your surgery um, before your junior year of college. That's when you made it to nationals. Did, do you think that had any if, if, uh, effect on that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, I guess it was maybe maybe I had a lot. Maybe I'm maybe I'm remembering wrong. It might have been after my junior season, but either way, I don't think it made a huge difference. <laughs> uh, but but it it was nice to never have someone poke you in the eye and get your contact flung out during the match, and you could always see the. <laughs> see the see the scoreboard clearly yeah uh, I, I can't i i because like when you come back to school your junior year you're actually committing uh to the air force academy and then you kind of like start to oh because your first two years are free I'm, I'm this sounds like an air force academy ad at this point i think but uh you can go for two years and then leave and you don't owe anything but once you really? start your june once you start your third year your junior year then you actually uh you're kind of in debt you kind of owe you owe for you owe the air force, I, I guess, uh, for your time. And so you, they don't do, you don't get PRK. I don't think until after you've already like kind of committed. Mm-hmm. So I think it was probably, it must've been during my junior, junior season or after. Wow. So do you get a lot of people then that come for two years and transfer back out? Not a ton. I only thing? know, like, I only know a few guys. We had a uh, one, one, guy from Ohio that wrestled was on the team with us. Uh, he, I think he left to pursue, I think he's a doctor now. I think he left to pursue like kind of civilian side medical, uh, mm-hmm. studies. And then I will, I don't, I've only think of a few. Yeah. Not, not many. Um, which you think it'd be like, Hey, this good trick to like get in and do your two years of school for free and then get out. But I think there's so much involved with applying and there's just, it's kind of a grind. And so after two mm-hmm. years, you're like, but the, the, you see the light at the end of the tunnel. It's like, why would you really your freshman year is, is kind of challenge. It's rough. And then after that, it's, it's pretty nice. Why was, uh, why was freshman year challenging? Freshman year is challenging there because, uh, and I think this goes for all the military academies because you're kind of like, I don't want to use, I don't want to say it's a haze. Cause we don't, we don't say that. And it's not, it's, but it's just like, it's kind of like your introduction to the, 
to the military, I guess. So your freshman year, you go through basic training, which is like mm-hmm. six weeks in the summer. And so that's kind of a downside. So I didn't like, I didn't go to Fargo before my freshman year of college because I went to Air Force Academy. Basic uh, training. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but it was neither here nor there. Cause I was already going to go wrestle for the Air Force Academy. So it's kind of like, you know, I didn't need it to get recruited. It just would have been fun to go uh, mm-hmm. a, a final time. Um, but uh, so, yeah, so you have that. And then your freshman year, you're kind of, you like, you have a lot, you don't have as quite the same liberties you do after your freshman year. It's, it's considered like your kind of, you know, test year. I don't know how to describe it where you, mm-hmm. you, you have to keep your door open a lot and keep your room really organized. I mean, you always do compared to, I think to a lot of schools, you're always in the military Academy, but your freshman year is, is more, is a lot more structured and uh, you kind of have to, you go through some rites of passage, I guess that are, I look back with fond memories, but at the time I'm sure it's just like, <laughs> Oh, this is crazy. No, I, I bet that's the same way with any military experience, you know, like I talked to a friend of mine from high school. He went to the Marine Corps and, you know, I think he had some similar experiences when he first got in to the Marine Corps and got into the marriage for the first time, you know? Yeah. Um, You know, like it's, I think to describe it, it would be more so to make sure that you're, you're going to be here. Like, you know, that kind of shows you how a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Committed. It's like one example, it's kind of silly, but we would, our, our, we have this big, it's called a terrazzo, but it's just this big square between the dorm, the dorms and like the academic building. And then our kind of our dining facility, Mitchell hall. And so uh, when you're going from your dorm to the academic building, when you're a freshman, you have to run on these marble strips. So like, it's, it's like, it's just a bunch of squares of, I guess, terrazzo, which is just like little kind of pebbles and concrete. And then, but then there's these marble tiles and you have to run on the marble tiles and then you have to carry your backpack. You can't like wear your backpack. So it's like, it's silly stuff, Yeah. but, but it's just kind of like the freshmen are all doing that. And then the sophomores, junior seniors are just like walking. as you do. <laughs> Yeah, I get it. You got to kind of pay your dues. I mean, you know, it, it's no different than a regular job. You know, some of the, some of the stuff you do at, at a job for the first time, you know, Sometimes you got to go run and get coffee all the time for, for, for upper level people. You know, I think it's just. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. <laughs> yeah. <you're... laughs> what uh, did that make it like more difficult than a, a regular division one school? You think? I don't know. Possibly. I think it, it makes it so there's more elements and also like you have to graduate in four years, right? Yeah. You don't get, you don't get a, redshirt year. I mean, you can't like come back as a grad student or anything like that. So you really, the academic load can be heavy. Uh, uh, I think that might be part of it. It's like, really, you maybe can't, your, your time is, is maybe a little bit more limited, but I don't want to like that can come off as just kind of like an excuse. It's like, well, mm-hmm. why, didn't you, why aren't you guys better? Why is your team better? <laughs> well, because we have all these things we got to deal with. And that's not, that's not what I want to say. It's just that, yeah, there are, I mean, you have four years to graduate to get all your credits. And so you got to do it. And mm-hmm. uh, so I think, so I think that, and then you have just some, like some military like requirements that take up some of your time as well. And so you're like in the summer, for example, uh, you're not just like free to like go train all summer. You have to go do specific 
specific things. You still have, I mean, you still have time, like you still do what you want, but if you have to go to an air force base first, we do this thing called ops air force. So like I went to Nellis air force base outside of Las Vegas one summer for three weeks. And I like follow around some officers. It's kind of like job shadowing OJT. You see a bunch of different jobs. It's a really cool program, but I mean, they don't have like, you know, wrestling mats with world-class, <laughs> you know, people to train with right there. So you got to, you know, figure something out. Yeah. Did, did you get like, a could you medical redshirt at all either or no? Is that off the table too? Um, they're generally off the table. It'd be like, you'd have to get, wow. I mean, there are people who leave for like a mission trip. I've, I mean, sometimes that'll happen to leave for a year, but then they're usually going to do some type of mission trip. Uh, um, but yeah, normally you could, I mean, I think for NCA rules, yeah, you could medical redshirt, but just mm-hmm. the way the, the academy structure is such that they want to move you through from what I understand, they want to move you through in four years. Yeah. And so unless there's something preventing that, I think the sports would take a second, second, yeah. second, uh, you know, they'd be backseat to getting you through and making you an officer. Yeah. That makes sense. I'm kind of comparing it to like the Ivy league schools, you know, cause like Cornell, you know, they Princeton, they don't have red shirts and I don't think they have medical red shirts either. Like if you get hurt, sorry, you're, Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. You don't get, yeah. Yeah. They don't red shirt. Yeah. We have, we have a, uh, we have a, some people consider it. It's like an extra year. You can go to the Air Force Academy prep school, um, which is a great way for people who maybe can't quite get in straight out of high school, but they want an opportunity to go to the Air Force Academy. Still, they can apply and try to go to the prep school, which is basically a year of, and it's, it's a year paid for by the Air Force as well, mm-hmm. um, where you're kind of prepping. And then I think you have to, I didn't go to that school, so I'm not really sure, but I know some athletes will go there and prep for a year and then they'll be able to like get their academic test scores or what have you up so they can mm-hmm. get into the, get in the academy. What kind of hoops did you have to jump through to get into the academy and even in the first place? I know you said that was kind of a little more. Um, it's a process. Than... Yeah, it's a process. It's a, uh, you need, it's like one of the big things is you need to get a nomination from like a representative or a Senator or the vice president, I think is the other one option. Uh, so you have to get this nomination to, and there's only so many. And so you kind of have to, you have to interview. So I did some interviews when I was, I believe either before my senior year of high school or during or like the first part of my senior year of high school. I can't really remember when they were, but went and interviewed with, uh, Jim Nussel, who was our representative at the time for Northeast Iowa. Um, mm. I think that was in, uh, Oh, that was in man. I think it was in Manchester, yeah. uh, Iowa where I did the interview. Um, and then I did another one. Uh, I did, I did two. And then I got the nomination from uh, Jim Nussel, uh, who was our representative at the time. And, uh, and yeah, and then just, then you apply and then there's an application process, Mm -hmm. uh, which is, I think lengthy, but maybe, maybe normal. Yeah. My dad, my dad helped me out a lot with that. (laughs) I think that's, I think that's maybe why my name was misspelled. um, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. My middle name was misspelled for a while, but I got that. I got that worked out. (laughs) Oh, wow. Um, when did you know that you wanted to go to like a division one to wrestle? I know you said that earlier that you thought you wanted to, because it seemed like, you know, you kind of get into a little more, but 
you made some major gains later on in your in your high school career. But when did you know that you wanted to go wrestle in college? Um, that's tough. I don't think it happened like overnight. Right. Mm -hmm. So like, uh, I think like a lot of people who wrestle, like you learn it from a family member, you know, some, not everybody, but like my dad wrestled, uh, he was, uh, uh, he wrestled for Northwest Missouri state. Um, and, uh, and so like, he kind of introduced me to sport at a young age. So it's, I've always been around it, but I haven't, Mm -hmm. I didn't like compete intensively, like from a young age, you know, I really got into the sport kind of more seriously in junior high and especially in high school. And I think I really developed like a love for the sport wrestling freestyle in the summer, uh, during high school. That's when I really mm-hmm. like really got into it and wanted to go kind of like by myself, like, and I would go with some friends of mine from high school, Kelby, you were, I think just a little bit too young to get in on some <laughs> of those trips. Yeah. Um, but we would travel, just a local freestyle tournament, struck a Roman tournaments. And we really just kind of, I don't know. That's when I really decided, like, I want to keep doing this in, in college. And, and I kind of realized at the same time that I probably had the, uh, maybe like the ability to like really progress. I saw some really good progression between my freshman sophomore year of high school and my junior senior year of high school and saw how, Hey, you can get better in the sport. Like if you put in time, you put in the hours, you put it, you train, you can get a lot better. And so that kind of gave me the idea that, Hey, and I might be putting, you know, looking back on this with kind of like, was it like rose, rose colored glasses? And yeah. Stuff, but yeah. It, Cause like I said, it wasn't like an instant. I didn't, like, I don't remember like some click, click moment, but um, yeah, over, over that kind of period, I was like, Hey, I really want to keep doing this. I really want to keep doing this and see, see if I can get better. And then combine that with uh, what I felt was just kind of like this great combination of, Hey, I have this opportunity to maybe go fly. I have this opportunity <laughs> to go out to Colorado. Uh, Air Force Academy also, you know, paid for. I'm even get paid a little bit when I'm there. So it just kind of all this like really stuff just all kind of clicked, and it just seemed like a good fit. So yeah, you said you made some gains between your you know freshman sophomore and then your junior senior. Year. That's when you really kind of I think put yourself on the map was your junior year. You know. Um, what, what made the gains there? I know you said it's kind of hard to pinpoint what click, but was it just putting time on the mat? I think so. I, I mean, I'm a big proponent of, of if anybody, I would say summer wrestling. Cause like it gave me so many more matches, so many more hours of training. And then you go to those tournaments and you're wrestling like the best kids in the state and some of the best kids in the country, mm-hmm. best, uh, athletes around. And so it's just a different level. If you just, I don't know, growing up, I just had this idea that wrestling season was this kind of period between, mm-hmm. I don't know, October or whatever and yeah. Thanksgiving and then like March or April or whatever. Uh, but when I realized, hey, this is maybe after my freshman year of high school, it's like there's this whole other world of wrestling. And I, I don't know, you kind of, like anything, you're just introduced to it slowly and realize there's a lot more to this than just, you know, the high school or the junior high wrestling season. There's There's a lot more to the sport. There's there's international competitions. There's different styles of wrestling. Mm-hmm. There's some styles of wrestling I don't even know about. There's like, there's like <laughs> Sambo. I don't know. You can go on YouTube and look at like uh, some Asian styles of wrestling where they like, you know, sand wrestling. And like, there's all kinds of different styles. Mm-hmm. They're like, you know. Uh, and so you start to like kind of open up this Pandora's box of where does this sport go? And it's, you know, it's an old sport. It's been around a long time and it's kind of developed differently around the world. Mm-hmm. Uh um, so yeah, so that kind of, I would say drove, drove my interest and made me, I think a lot better too, was just getting 
yeah. So the answer just getting more matches <laughs> and, and get seeing different coaches training with like the Iowa freestyle team and going to going up to Fargo, going to the, you know, the junior and the cadet tournaments around the area. Yeah. You guys kind of, I felt like you guys, like you guys, as in like you and your dad started the freestyle club in Monona. Yeah. I think fair he, to say. Yeah. He was the coach. He coached it when mm-hmm. we, when we first got going, uh, I think it was confusing because it was Mississippi freestyle. Yeah, Mississippi um, freestyle. But because we were right by the river. But yeah. So when we leave the state, people, I mean, we was like we were from the state of Mississippi, but maybe it didn't make <laughs> sense. In hindsight, maybe it didn't make any sense. But at the time it seemed it seemed like a good idea. Uh but yeah, so that 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 was great. And just just a place to train. And then we got a good group of of guys who wanted to uh to keep training all summer. And then we had, you know, we'd go to the different camps like with the, the Iowa team and, and, and then, and then you realize there's just a ton of people doing that and you kind mm-hmm. of make some friends who are doing the same thing. So you'd see the same, you know, typically a lot of times it was like father and son or whatever, yeah. or, and, and uh, you know, traveling to all these same kind of same tournaments. Um, and then once we were old enough to, you know, drive ourselves and had a little bit of Liberty, a little bit of freedom, we would just kind of, especially the close tournaments, just kind of take ourselves. Yeah. And your dad, did he ref a lot of the time while you were also? Yeah, he, yeah. That was really, that was, that was incredibly fun. Oh my goodness. That was so much fun. Cause he got into refing and he still refs every once in a while. He's still, he'll really? still some officiating. Yeah. Um, I think there's just, I think it's tough uh, for USA wrestling to, I think it's for them to have just enough officials because it's not maybe super popular. And so he would go, when there was kind of a need for officials. So he started officiating and then we would coach each other, me and the group uh, from the freestyle club. And and it was just, and we, you know, there's occasionally potential for conflict of interest. So he like wouldn't officiate my matches or anything like that, but uh, uh, it was fun. Yeah. And then it kind of, it was something for him to do. And then, because so he didn't just have to sit there and wait between matches. He was always busy. And I think, and then he, he like would hang out with the officials and chat with them and they'd talk about rules and whatnot. Uh, but it was, that was really fun. It's actually, it's actually kind of a cool thing. <clears throat> I don't know. I see my, I can see myself doing that as a parent. My, I have a three-year-old son now. If he decides to wrestle, I could see myself doing the same thing just because it's like, <laughs> what are you going to do all day? Uh, especially if he only has a few matches and you're just kind of sitting mm-hmm. there. And you at least are uh, staying busy. Yeah, it sounds like your dad was kind of a hands-off, you know, kind of kind of coach. Is that fair to say? Yeah, that's 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 pretty fair to say. When I was young, he like you know was my coach, <clears throat> like elementary school, even junior high to some extent. Um, uh, but it was we didn't we didn't go to a ton of tournaments or anything like that. We did, we'd go to a few, um, and then in high school, we had. Chet Bachman, obviously, is the, is the coach. <laughs> oh, hey, I know that guy. <laughs> uh, at Info Meyer and Chet did a great job. So it was just kind of like, you know, it would be weird to, for him to be there like too much. So he'd come in and wrestle with us. And, uh, and uh, oh, and, and obviously, you know, Dan Anderson as well. I don't want to. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and Tim Hayhaw. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, but he'd come in and wrestle. He was actually a good training partner for, then for me because – he was, he was, we were about the same size and uh, be a different look than just wrestling the same guys every day. Um, yeah, true. But then for freestyle, I think he had a, he had a freestyle background more so than some of the other, 
some of the other coaches that we had on the team. And I don't remember all the rules, but it just made sense for him to kind of be the, be the freestyle coach. Yeah. I kind of noticed that when did, when did your love, I'll ask another question and say, but when did your love for the sport, like how did you start to love it yourself? I think you're just having a lot of fun doing it. Uh, yeah. Those my, when I, once I got, I really got into it probably my freshman year, you know, freshman year of high school, I kind of dedicated myself a little more to it, cut a lot of weight and realized how challenging that was. Uh, for me at the time, I don't really remember how much it was, but for me, it was a lot. Yeah. Uh, it always and, seems uh, more when you're in the moment. <laughs> yeah. And then, uh, so that kind of, not let's say like, I love doing that. That was rough, but, but it made me, then having some success in the summer and then getting better and seeing myself get better, I think really led me to think like, Hey, I can keep doing this. And that's, that's when I really, I think really started to enjoy it a lot was kind of middle of high school years, just seeing a lot of improvement and learning like, Hey, I can, I can, I can be good at this or I can be good enough at this to pursue it. <laughs> and, uh, and just like the community around it, uh, wrestling and that, that part of the state of Iowa is really fun because people like it. Like it's a, it's a popular sport there. So it's easy to, it's easy to, it's easy to do. It's not like like people come to the matches and people, mm -hmm. you know, the, the gym's packed and everyone's cheering. It's just a fun environment. And uh, you know, that that's probably the long and the short of it. Yeah. Um, so I was going to ask earlier, you, a lot of the guys that I have talked to so far have had hands-off parents you know, is that I, I'm starting to feel like that's kind of a theme. Like I, I thought that, you know, I was going to find a lot more people who had those dads who were like, you know, hammers, like, come on, you know, we're going all the time, you know, and they were pushing their kids, but that's just, doesn't seem like the case. No, that definitely wasn't the case for, for me. We had, uh, I mean, we would wrestle together. We trained together, but I don't think there was never like this, Hey, you gotta, you gotta put in, you know, you gotta get another hundred takedowns in this yeah. or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, pretty, pretty hands off, especially like with the summer wrestling. And then, I mean, just, I was just part of the team with coach Bachman. And so just kind of whatever his program was, that's what we were doing. And so, yeah, I'd say it's pretty hands off, which I think, I think is good. I think that's good. I mean, I think you can, there's probably examples of, of it going the other way, but from my perspective, you're not going to, no one's going to want to do something like, like wrestling, something hard, <laughs> challenging. You kind of get your butt kicked a lot when you're wrestling. No one's going to want to do that if they're being kind of forced. You know what I mean? If you don't want to do it, you're not going to do it. And it's just like, you're just going to quit as soon as you can. Or you're going to stop doing it. Um, I think that kind of goes with anything really. Yeah. It's like, it's like, you're not going to pursue something that you don't, want to do generally like there's got to there's got to be some type of motivator um and if that's not coming from you you know it's not coming from like your own desire to do any your maybe why you want to do something is you know everyone has their own reasons but if you don't want to do it then i don't think you're probably not going to do it yeah and you know you have an older brother rob obviously you know and he he wasn't really into it and I mean, and then here you were yeah. like really, Rob, into it, you know? Rob, yeah, we, we definitely Rob, I mean, Rob wrestled, he mm -hmm. was on the team all, all through high school, but I, I just don't think he, he, uh, 
he just didn't get into it as much as I did. I think mm-hmm. he just wasn't like, he didn't like, he didn't, he didn't enjoy freestyle wrestling like I did. And I think that made a big difference. Um, and, and he, I, I don't think he had any interest in pursuing it and like, and can keep in continuing to wrestle after high school at all. And so it's just kind of, uh, yeah, it was his, obviously his choice. He just mm-hmm. was, didn't want, didn't want to. So, yeah. uh, you know, just like anything, like, we, like we were just saying, it's, you know, he's, you're not going to do it if you don't want to. Um, there's no real, you know, just Rob, Rob was so funny. Cause you remember he was my brother for those. He was one of these, he wasn't a huge, he wasn't much bigger than me. He was probably weighed 185, 190 in high school, mm-hmm. but he wrestled heavyweight. Cause we had a <laughs> gap and a gap in our roster. So he would have to like, I can't remember what the rule was. He had to weigh at least like, I don't remember the weight. He had to weigh at least 189. So he could, he had to be like 189.1 mm-hmm. or something like that. Something silly. So he could wrestle heavyweight. And so he would be like chugging gallons of water, <laughs> or not gallons, but he would be trying to drink a full gallon of water generally like on the way to a weigh-in. Everyone else is like sucking weight. And it just was this pretty hilarious looking back, like situation where he's like going to like throw up water. Cause he's trying to get up to 89.1, I think is what it was. Yeah. Uh, because you can only bump up two or some, something, something like that. It just was yeah. like, it's something that only happens in the sport of wrestling where there's like <laughs> weird, like situation where these, these, this group's trying to cut weight. So they're like waiting to weigh in so they could like drink a Gatorade. And this guy <laughs> over here is like literally sucking down water so he can wrestle at heavyweight. Just strange. <laughs> I, re- I do remember that story. I do remember that. Yeah. Um, you're, so let's go to your junior year. Um, you know, you, you got third at districts, you know, tough districts, you know, what was that like your mindset after you got beat, you know, by, I think it was Sean Kane from Waterloo Columbus, you know, like <laughs> I, I yeah, your homework. Bring, it up, bring it up. Uh, yeah. Some skeleton, yeah, just, but. <laughs> man, <laughs> but I'm right in the wound. And- you were ranked pretty high that year, you know, and it didn't end for you, which a yeah, lot of wrestlers I think, I think run into. Yeah. I think maybe my junior year, I don't, I don't, I mean, I remember I didn't qualify for the state tournament my junior high school, which was uh, frustrating because I expected, I thought I was going to, I had planned on it um, as you do, but uh, yeah, I, I don't remember. I think with wrestling is a, you know, you can kind of be, I don't think I was maybe a head case, but maybe I just wasn't confident going into some of, some of those matches. Um, you know, I'm just trying to remember it from, from X amount of years later, uh, that would have been in 2003, right. Two, three, four. Yeah. 2003. So it's quite a while back, but I mean, yeah, I think I just maybe just didn't have supreme confidence that I should be wrestling at that, that I should be competing at that level, which to me, I mean, I look back now, that's not like a super high level, but at the time that was like, that was it. Yeah. Right? Like high school, you know, districts to get into the state tournament. It's like, that's, mm-hmm. that's like supreme. That's like high end wrestling. And for me at the time, that was like the most serious competition I'd ever been in. And so I'm trying to uh, uh, maybe just kind of, you know, you can psych yourself out and stuff like that and wrestling. It can be a sport where if you, don't go into a match supremely confident that you're going to win. You're probably not going to win. Uh, and I would, I would probably say that. Did that happen but, quite a bit? Or was there like a turning point where you finally started to build more confidence or like, when did you start to get that, you know, momentum going? 
I think right about there. I think the next summer I had a lot of success with some freestyle and realized I could compete with, you know, anybody. Um, not I mean, anybody, but I could <laughs> compete pretty well with, uh, with my kind of age and division and whatnot. And uh, yeah, develop just, just more confidence. And you just, I don't know, it's something, maybe some people just have it naturally and some people have to develop that. <clears throat> um, but, but yeah, I definitely had a lot better season my senior year. Um, not a lot better. My record was probably the same, which is funny. <laughs> I, I, you probably know, but I, I, it was very similar. I definitely lost some matches. I wasn't like an undefeated wrestler or anything like that, mm -hmm. but, uh, but I just feel like I was maybe more confident, had a little, and there's something about just being more, I, I think I saw this in college too, where like you show up and you're just kind of green. I don't know what, how to yeah. say it. You're just kind of like fresh and new and you're not really sure about yourself. And then you get to be a senior and you've like just kind of gone through the same, you've seen the same stuff over and over again. I can say the same about flying really. Like I remember when I started pilot training, man, it was just like, <clears throat> I was just kind of like unsure about myself, uncomfortable in the aircraft. Like it's like hot and uncomfortable and there's like heat. And then there's like G forces on your body and you're wearing all this uncomfortable clothing. You're just, and then, you know, towards the end of pilot training, well, pilot training, you're still pretty green, but now like after I have X amount of hours of flying, you're just kind of, you get in the planes. It's like every day do, do, do flip some switches and you're just kind of going. Um, so I, I think there's some parallels there where it's just like when you're just fresh and it's a new situation, you're just maybe not as, yeah, you're not like supremely confident in your ability to do X. Yeah. That's, that's a, that's a great <laughs> comparison. You know? and if you are supremely confident, it makes me wonder, like, why are you, especially, <laughs> especially in something technical? Because like flying and wrestling are they're very different, but flying airplanes is pretty technical, right? Like, there's like things to do and things not to do. Like, <laughs> just like in wrestling, there's things to do and there's things that you probably shouldn't do. Um, and, and you, you have to, you know, you learn those through practice. Yeah. I think in my opinion, sometimes being confident is your, you know, also, you're not afraid of the end result. Like if the end result is bad, it's not, it's okay. You know, like, so if you're wrestling, some people are confident because if things don't go their way and they lose, it's okay. You know, or they're just so confident they're not going to lose, but gosh, when you're flying a plane and things go bad, well, hopefully you don't lose. In the <laughs> yeah. That's, that's never the, you know, that's, that could be bad, but you do like you train, when you're flying, you like, have, there's simulators you can train, like mm -hmm. to kind of higher level emergencies, like your engine flies off or starts on fire or what have you. You can train to those in a simulated setting in a simulator, or you can do some, some stuff in the airplane too, where you like have an instructor pilot with you and they'll set up some kind of scenario in a really controlled environment. Um, yeah. And it's, and then it's, then you can actually like go through the checklist, go through some like emergency steps and procedures. And you like, just like you said, you can train and you could fail, but that failure isn't like catastrophic where you yeah. crash or whatever. <laughs> what you, you made a good point about, I thought about parallels between like wrestling and, and flying the plane where if you're not confident wrestling, you know, the end result may not be what you have. And as you get older, wrestle more, you be in those environments, you start to get better at them. Um, is, are there other things that you took from wrestling into your, you know, flying your planes and being a pilot? Uh, I'd say more into just like being a officer in the air force, right? Just being in the air force. There's a lot of things. Been Cause like, like I said, t wrestling is very technical. 
flying is very technical. So there's like, obviously, you know, like, Hey, I just got to learn this. I got to learn the technical side of this. And I see some parallels uh, to wrestling. It's obviously very different, but it's a similar idea that, Hey, you practice more, you will be better. If you train more, you will be better. Um, You'll be more comfortable in in any situation. Um, But as far as, as far as, you know, my job in the air force, I would say definitely, definitely, wrestling hasn't hurt it's i think it's been very good uh because it just there's a lot of things about wrestling but i think i think you could say this about a lot of athletics uh for as people are as we're as people grow are growing up yeah like athletics in general if you if you're pursuing an athletic sport to kind of a high level and uh dedicating yourself to something i think there's a lot to be said about the benefits of that Mm -hmm. um so for me specifically like the ability to put myself through some physical pain, right? So like whether it's, you know, a long, hard practice sessions and cutting some weight. So those, and then, and then also like doing schoolwork at the same time. So like kind of like overloading myself with all these different things where I'm like, I'm physically beat down, but I'm also trying to like write a paper about Plato or what have you. Uh, but, but, and then, but then, and then I have to like set my alarm because I have to get up in the morning. So I have like, and I have to turn this paper in. So there's like all these things happen at the same time. That's, you know, you could call it like a training environment mm-hmm. for my job. So when I'm like doing, you know, X, I'm deployed to X location. And I'm like, I have, I am maybe tired. Cause like my schedule's messed up and uh, you know, we have, we have to go fly, fly some, some missions or what have you on the one hand, but in their hand, we're like trying to, communicate clearly like what's going on in the in x situation so there's like it's not the same mm-hmm. but i think you can you can definitely see like hey that was a good that set me up for success yeah well, what do you exactly do in the air force like what's your well right now right now, I, <laughs> right now my title is olmstead scholar so what that is is i applied for and received a, a scholarship to study abroad. Um, so for kind of mid-career officers in all services, there's this foundation in the DC area called the Olmsted Foundation, actually founded by an Iowan, uh, General George Olmsted, who uh, grew up in the Des Moines area. And he was a general in uh, kind of the World War II Korean War timeframe. But he also, on the civilian side, he had a pretty successful insurance uh empire when many other business endeavors and he's he his basically his estate um he set up this trust to fund this program called the olmstead this called the olmstead foundation and it takes about 20 officers um between three and 11 years of service every year and sends them abroad to various so i'm in peru right now i live in peru and i've been here for close to two years and so this will a three-year program so i spent a year well it ended up being a year and a half because of covid but it's originally planned to be a year in monterey california at the defense language institute where i learned spanish my wife and i both learned spanish there and then supposed to be two years here in peru getting a master's degree at a peruvian school so like all in spanish um so i studied econ here i finished my classes i'm actually after this i'm gonna keep plugging away at the my thesis um but so that's what I'm doing right now. And, but uh, soon I will go back to my kind of old job of, of, uh, of flying. So I've been a pilot for since I went to pilot training in 2009, 2010, right after graduating from Air Force Academy. And I've been flying, flying since. Um, 
U28s uh, primarily, uh, which is a, it's, it's a smaller single engine plane. Um, most people haven't seen them. It's not, not a kind of sexy fast jet. Uh, uh, and yeah, so that's, that's been doing that for, you know, 13 years, I guess. Yeah. Geez. It's already been roughly. 13 years. Yeah. Well, um, you said that, uh, what do you do in, in the air force? You just fly the plane. Like, <laughs> Well, it's, it's, yeah. So like, it's like an air force officer who is a, who goes to pilot training. So it's, it's, it's interesting. It's different from other services. It's like, I compared to, I have a friend of mine. He's the only, he's an Olmstead scholar as well, but he's an army infantry officer. And so him, he had a young, relatively young age after he went to the West point, which is the U S military Academy. Um, and so we have very different like careers, right? So mm-hmm. I started my career in pilot training, becoming a technical expert, you know, in flying essentially in aviation, whereas he started his career essentially being thrown into an infantry unit and like leading an infantry uh, group. I don't, I don't, I, I don't, remember, <laughs> I sadly don't remember all the, the terms uh, uh, for the army, but eventually when he was a captain, you know, he was a company commander, which is a company's pretty good size. It's like, I don't remember hundred to 200 people. Um, and so he's like in charge of this group of people. So he's doing a little more like direct leadership at a young age. Whereas in the air force, when you're a, when you do go to pilot training, and become a pilot, you basically become a technical expert and you really learn to fly and you focus on that kind of technical aspect up until maybe mid career, kind of like really roughly where I am. And then you'll go and you'll kind of be put in position. That's more leadership focused where you, you'll, I'll, I'll continue to fly. I expect to continue to fly, but eventually at some point in my career, I'll be put in, you know, I'll get a position where I'm maybe in charge of a squadron of, of pilots or something like that would be, that would be a good, a good step for me yeah. uh, for the future. Uh, but that doesn't have, so like, it depends on the service and the career field in the service. So like the non-pilots in the air force, non-flyers essentially may, maybe in a situation more like that, where they're, running a squadron at a more junior, like more like kind of like I am now, like maybe with 10 years, 10 years in or even less. And so it's just, it's very different depending on, on the, the career inside of the air force. What do the non-flyers do? That was, that was one thing I was wondering, like, you know, everyone associates the air force with pilots and what do you do if you're not a pilot? I mean, I'm sure there's a lot uh, of everything, there. everything, you know? I mean, everything like really the air force you can do there's like every job you can think of really exists inside the air force so a big a big change recently and i, I never really worked in this in space but a big change recently was the the space force kind of breaking off to some mm-hmm. extent so some people transitioned over the space force and i think that took a lot of like the kind of space related jobs but in, again that's like not my world so I, I can't talk to it you know smartly at all but mm-hmm. uh so just some stuff off the top of my head right we have we have like med, you know, we have doctors and mm-hmm. lawyers, and uh, we also have people who do engineering. So we'll have like civil engineers who, and in every, I'm kind of thinking about from the perspective of the Air Force Academy. So like every career field, right, has the officers, but then there's also way more people who are enlisted in the Air Force who are actually like kind of doing the actual work. So like mm-hmm. a lot of airplanes will have a pilot, a co-pilot. Sometimes they'll have a CISO, a combat systems operator, which they'll previously is maybe they were called navigators. It depends on the airplane. Um, 
but then you also have like load masters, people who, who load the planes and at the airports or the airports at the, uh, <laughs> air force bases, which are essentially airports, uh, you'll have like, uh, the, the, the people who run the fuel, you'll have the people, the, and those are, you know, generally air force guys and gals who fuel the planes up and logistics of getting fuel to wherever you are, which I think could be just a complete nightmare. Uh, and then you'll have base support jobs like, you know, security. So security forces is really important, like having security at, a, at an air base. And, uh, oh, geez, I'm forgetting so many. It's like, and then obviously like air traffic control, you'll have, you know, you need someone. To, so, so you can kind of focus on like, what is every service that an airport has essentially, mm-hmm. even like passenger services, because um, the, air, the Air Force will fly like, they'll fly people all over the place. Uh, so anything related to cargo loading, but then you kind of take one step out, you know, and then you have like people who do acquisitions in the side of the Air Force that buys the planes and the side of the air, part of the Air Force that like does contracting to get new things. Um, and then there's a whole research and development side, like Air Force Research Laboratories and uh, Air Force Institute of Technology, and which I'm actually technically a part of right now in my job. Uh, yeah, so it's just like, it's pretty broad. And yeah. really just, and then we also have like Air Force Special Operations. So we'll have um, uh, combat controllers and special tactics officers and special tactics uh, uh, airmen who do, who will like kind of, maybe move they'll, they'll move, they'll be on the ground when like planes are flying around and can help control airplanes in a more kind of austere tactical environment. Uh, and so, yeah, so I would say the spectrum, <laughs> yeah. even like veterinarians and like, I mean, the security forces have dogs that have military working dogs. Ah, yeah. Them. Yeah. You name it. <laughs> well, did you have a, did you have a call tag? Oh, no, 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 no. In, in pilot training, in pilot training, I was, uh, uh, what was it? Uh, there was another redhead in the class. Her name was Sam. So Sam and I were the two gingers in the class, and she was Ashley, and I was Mary Kate. So I was MK, and she was Ash. <laughs> that was given to us by our instructor pilots in pilot training, um, but uh, uh, that didn't stay with me <laughs> outside of pilot. Outside of like six months in pilot training. <laughs> I heard a story also that maybe your call tag at one point was nips. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's funny. Cause like, so one time I was wearing, like we were at the beach, we, we were in Pensacola and uh, we flew there for like training. And I guess I had only one, the lowest button on my shirt buttoned. And so I had my whole chest was showing. And so they gave me the name nips. That was my first, that was the first half of pilot training. <laughs> Because my nips were showing, which I maybe that one is better. Maybe I like that one better. Uh, yeah. Like the whole two days we were there, kind of drinking and uh, and uh, <laughs> hanging out. <at> the beach. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that one I have. That one I have. That call sign I have on on the on like a little board. Uh, oh, really? You've probably seen it. I don't know if you've seen it, but yeah, there's like a like a plaque with a picture of my pilot training class. And uh, it might have, I think probably has both. What, what did like, so now what's your call sign? Do you even have one or is it just Steve? Nah, just Steve. Steve? Yeah, just <laughs> simple. Yeah. <laughs> some people do. Some people do. Um, that's, that's, that's really common in like the 
the fighter pilot community, uh, uh, outside of fighter, some, some guys will get a call sign for something they do. And it's just like, it just is because yeah. it's correct for them to have, you know, a call yeah. sign, but, but, uh, a lot of people don't end up with a call sign. I'm trying yeah. to think of a specific example. Um, and then like, like uh, one guy I fly with his call signs flip. And, uh, I think he like flip stands for flight publications at FLIP. And I think like his, like he was flying, he was, a uh, F-15 pilot. And I think like his like flight pubs, like flew all over the cockpit one time when he was like, went <laughs> inverted. Cause he didn't shut his, if I remember right. He didn't shut his, uh, uh, like little, there's like a little case you put your stuff in. I think that's what the story, I can't remember, but it's usually like when you have a call sign, there's some kind of story behind yeah. it. Yeah. And that's just an example. Wait, so he was flying inverted? I don't know. Oh, don't know. have you ever flown it's, inverted? It's, I'm, in pilot training, yeah, the planes we fly, the T-6 and then the T-38, they're acrobatic planes. So we'll uh-huh. kind of loop the loops and the whole, the whole nine, which is really fun. It's yeah. in, in hindsight, as again, it's hindsight, it's fun. At the time, you're, like I said, kind of earlier, you're green, you're kind of stressed out and comfortable and you're like, <laughs> I got to do this perfect loop to loop so I can get a good grade and pass this flight and go to the next, you know, go to the next event. And so you're kind of like, I don't know. In hindsight, I think it was probably really fun. And some really cool stuff that I'd never done before, but at the time it's, it's a stressful, yeah. it's a stressful program. I can, I can imagine that like, that'll be stressful. Like, yeah, you're flying a plane going however fast upside down or in a loop, like <laughs> kind of scary. Yeah, it can be. I don't know. I think you get used to it though. Like yeah. you just get used to it. <laughs> yeah. What, what do you think? You know, I'm sure a lot of people might be curious. What do you think of the movie Top Gun? I gotta ask. I mean, great movie, great movie, great actors. Is it? You know, is those are Navy planes though, correct? Like those are the fighter planes that you're Uh, talking about. Yeah. The uh, I think it's the MIG, something like the MIGs and Top Gun are. I think they're actually T-38s, which are the trainers that the Air Force flies, the trainer jets. Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, I don't really like that world. It's just so different than, than mine. So I don't, I don't, you know, like, I think it's kind of crazy. Like it's, yeah. it's obviously a Hollywood movie. It'd be like saying, asking any wrestler be like, Hey, have you seen vision quest? Is that what it's really like? <laughs> oh, you know what I, mean? I think it's like the same, the same kind of question. It's like, have you seen vision quest? Okay. So I know exactly what it's like to be a high school wrestler and go wrestle shoot or whatever. And uh, it's, you know, it's the same, same idea. Oh, Vision Quest. I can't believe you brought that up. Man, I was thinking about that movie the other day. What I haven't seen that movie in a long, long time. I think yeah. I only know references from Vision Quest from talking to Chet. He'll like <laughs> he'll like reference Vision Quest every once in a while. Yeah, really? Maybe maybe. I don't I don't know. Like you probably you maybe, maybe I'm thinking of Mike. Maybe I'm thinking of your dad. Uh, don't 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 tell them that to them. Uh, I will. That's all right. Well, hopefully, hopefully someone's listening to this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hopefully one of them is. Um, so, so um, back, I guess we'll go back to wrestling here for a little bit. Um, so you moved on to Air Force Academy after you placed third as a senior, you know, you actually pinned your way. My dad loves to tell that you pinned your way through the state tournament, except you got beat by Mitch Artist. Mm-hmm. He, yeah. he rolled around with that. 
Except for the time I did, except for the match I lost. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He was mad. He he said you you rolled around with him. So yeah, that was a weird match. It, it was like eighteen to fifteen or some yeah. stupid score. Um, I can't remember what it was, but it was it was like like just like sloppy, incredibly amount of scoring and back points for everybody all over the place. But yeah, yeah I can't remember the score. You probably yeah. have it written down. <laughs> yeah. So you pinned everyone else. We got fourth as a team that year. That was the best finish ever. Yeah, Travis Eggers, you know, won. And then yeah. Kyle got – Kyle Pedretti got uh, – I think he got second. Yeah. Got second. And then Paul Fisk as well um, placed. Yeah, yeah. It, was, it was fun. It was fun. That was a really fun year. Man. Yes, yes, yes. And then you transitioned to the Air Force Academy, and um, you found some success there. You You actually qualified for nationals – you know, as a junior like that. Yeah. My junior year. So I wrestled, I wrestled all four years. I started off four years at freshman, sophomore year at 174, which I think was hindsight. It was a little bit like I maybe should have been at 165 the whole time, but um, I, I couldn't like compete with the guy at 165, especially my freshman year. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, Bo Trezmer, who was our team captain, he whooped the heck out of me yeah. daily. Uh, <clears throat> um, and then yeah, just kept going sophomore year. And I I was pretty, like, my record was pretty bad this, my first couple of years. Um, it was like, you know, a 300 record. I can't remember what it was exactly. Uh, and then got a little bit better. My junior year, I started, I got, I started wrestling 165, which was better for me. Um, had a better record. Still not great. I got a wild card yeah. uh, spot <laughs> for the national tournament. Because we we weren't in the Big 12 then. Air Force Academy is in the Big 12 now. At the time, we were in the... Uh, the Western wrestling conference, which was just, it was just a few teams. It was kind of like uh interim situation. I don't really remember the details, but it was like Air Force Academy, North Dakota state, South Dakota state, Northern Iowa, mm-hmm. Utah Valley and Wyoming. And I think that was it. It's just, a, it wasn't a huge conference by any means. Now they're in the big 12, which is I think excellent for the program. I'm really happy to be mm-hmm. in the big 12, just like, you know, better cop, but not like better. I just mean like, huge amount of competition um more opportunities to get to the national tournament everything just like all good i think it's good for the program to be in a big you know big conference like that yeah uh anyway yeah so it was that was fun too because we had four qualifiers air force had four qualifiers that year it was jake devlin jake kriegbaum myself and and tyler french all qualified for nationals jake the jakes were uh seniors i was a junior and then tyler was a sophomore and uh, Tyler was at 174. Jake was 184. So that, that was great because those guys were good training partners. Then Krieg, Jake Kriegbaum was 141 pounder. Um, but we all, no one placed, sadly. <laughs> we all, we all, Jake Kriegbaum did the best. He, uh, I can't remember, he won two or three matches. I went one and two. Um, and I can't remember how everyone else did, but. Mm-hmm. What was that like to wrestle at the national tournament there? Like, what did you ever and expect? Did you expect it? You know, I mean, especially wild card. Uh, or it was my goal. It was always my goal, but you know, it's one of those things where I was I was working towards the goal, but it was I would say, especially after my freshman sophomore year. I mean, I could. It's kind of similar to my high school yeah. time as well, where I kind of got my butt kicked the first <laughs> couple of years, and then. It's not like I was, you know, multiple time national champ or anything like that. You know, obviously it just, it just was cool for me to kind of like have that experience. And I think it was a good, uh, good, uh, 
I mean, it was, it was just like, it was, it was my goal, I guess, to, to qualify. Mm-hmm. And maybe my, you know, should have set, could have set loftier goals, but, but I was pretty happy to, uh, to get there. Yeah. I, I think, you know, setting realistic goals, not saying that you didn't, you know, being a national champ wasn't realistic for you, but, you know, I think attainable goals, that's, that's a big part of goal setting. Yeah, it is. It is interesting. You say that. Cause like, I thought it, for me, when I was in at Air Force Academy, we would go train at the Olympic training center. Oh yeah. And we would, we would go not all the time. And, mm-hmm. and like my freshman year less, but then towards my junior senior, year, I was trying to go quite a bit and I would go there and just get my butt whooped. And it was just like, it's so eye opening to see, cause it's kind of something you don't really realize until you get to experience like what a world-class wrestler is like is right. And so like when you're, when you're you compete with guys who are, and I can't remember everybody's names, but you're around, like you're around, like the best wrestlers, you know, in the country are there training and you'd get thrown in with them and just get like, basically just like, just like the mat, just like mopped with your face. A little bit. And it was you know, generally, it was all generally some freestyle there. And yeah, just get like thrown around and just like, and, and these are guys who are like training, maybe aspirational, uh, have aspirations to be on the world team or, or compete mm-hmm. uh, at that level. And you're, it's just, it's eye opening uh, to uh, just be like, okay, you kind of see like, it's hard to set a goal, a lofty goal, like, Hey, I'm going to be an Olympic champion, but then you have no idea like what, what is in between you at whatever level you're at. Say you're just starting out wrestling in your mm-hmm. high school, like what's between you and that like highest level. And just to see that you're like, okay, that's, that's a lot. Yeah. <laughs> who, who would you wrestle with? Like, do you remember? Oh, I don't remember. I don't remember everybody's names. Mm-hmm. I was kind of just, I would just show up and uh, I think coach brands would just like call me air force. Because <laughs> 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 we, we generally wore air force uh, jerseys. And at that time, Joel Sherritt uh, was our head coach. My freshman year, Wayne Bogman was the head coach. Mm-hmm. Uh, Wayne or coach Bogman, actually, he just passed away a few months ago. Um, really sad, but uh, yeah. In, uh, in February, um, and then, but he retired. Coach Bogman mm-hmm. retired at the end of my freshman year, and Coach Sherritt, Joel Sherritt, came from Nate. He was assistant at Naval Naval Academy, and came over to coach for us. Uh, and so he had. I mean, we were going beforehand. We also had. I mean, we had a ton of great coaches there. Uh, Sam Barber is the head coach now, and we also had one of my assistants. I was there. Uh, coach Doug Wells. Um, was there as well. Uh, and they all, they had a relationship, you know, with, with the OTC. I don't really know how <laughs> the, all the ins and outs. I don't really remember, but uh, it was pretty, pretty nice that we were able to go over there and, and train. Just that, worked, that worked out pretty well that Jarrett came over because, you know, you said he was assistant naval and that's the other place you were looking at going to, you know? Yeah. When I did my recruiting trip, and I was senior, he was like, I met him. We had dinner and then I had to call him up and be like, Hey, I'm going to Air Force Academy. See ya. And then a year later he was hired as the head coach at Air Force Academy, which was pretty awesome. He's a great coach. uh, Taught me a lot. um, Ton. And I think for Air Force Academy, he's a great fit as well, just because he had been at a service Academy and moved to another service Academy. And, uh, but so, yeah, that was, I think. Yeah. I mean, all good, but it just, I try to think of a parallel. It's kind of like if I like, you know, did pilot training and flew a little bit and learned to do a loop. And then I jumped in the backseat of one of those like Red Bull air race 
planes and just went and pulled 11 G's and just passed out. And you'd just be like, it's just a next level flying. Like when you watch those guys fly, I don't follow it a ton, but they're like, they're moving. And when they're pulling, when I, like you can't imagine what it's like to pull G's. We had to do like seven in pilot training. And uh, we had to do what's called the centrifuge. It's this thing that just spins you really fast. It's miserable. And I think it was seven or seven and a half. Uh, but going up to 10, like 10 and a half, whatever they do on those air races, it's just blows my mind. It's so much. <laughs> We're just like, the, geez. like when you say, uh, oh, geez, it's like the forces of gravity. So like how many forces of gravity? So like we're at one G right now, mm-hmm. um, cause there's one gravity. And if you double that, there'd be two. Mm-hmm. And if there's, so like when those Red Bull air race guys, I think that's just a sponsor, the air race mm-hmm. competitors, but when they like do those really sharp turns around cones and stuff, I don't know if you guys, if you have any idea what I'm talking about, what they'll do is they'll like fly this course and they'll try to do it really fast mm-hmm. and they'll have to turn really hard and they'll pull back on the control stick, which essentially it like makes an artificially makes your body weigh more. So you have like more G forces, more mm-hmm. gravitational force on your body. So 10 times, so they go up to like 10 or 11 or something. Yeah. I don't know. The blood just drains from your head and you can just, you'll pass out. Like in a second. if you're not, <laughs> yeah. if you're not like, you have to like lock up all your muscles and breathe the correct way. And if you don't, you can, if you just go on YouTube, you can see it <laughs> like people passing out from G forces and stuff like that. That's crazy. It's impressive. Yeah. That's crazy. I can't, I can't even imagine. <laughs> is there, is there a reason, like, does that make it more likely for a heavier person? Cause I remember there was this guy, Adam Kuhn was trying to, I think he wanted to be a pilot, but he, he weighed too much. You know, <laughs> he was like 285, you know, he wrestled for Michigan and was like 285, you know, like, is it possible for him to be a pilot or is there like a certain weight restriction? I mean, cause if you think about it, the G forces that are going to affect you, what aren't they going to be drastically different than well, hundred pounds? I mean, like usually you're not like doing pulling. Like when you fly on Delta Airlines or American Airlines or what have you around the United States, you're not like pulling G's. That's like a that's like a really niche style of flying that mm-hmm. like fighter planes do because they have to for some of their tactics or like kind of fighting tactics but normal flying like cargo planes you're not doing that (laughs) no way (laughs) Uh, do a lot of i mean the the planes aren't even designed to do it you know like they're not like they're not built to withstand that level of because they'll just you can like rip the wings off if you if you try to do that with the wrong with the normal normal plane yeah are a lot of pilots you said you know delta and whatnot are a lot of pilots x air force do you think? I, I think so. I think I think there's a decent amount, but ex-military in general, because you know, Navy, arm, Marines, Army, mm-hmm. all have aviation. Uh, I don't. I mean, I couldn't tell you the number, but I know they're out there. Really? Is that is that your next goal? I know Casey's kind of talked about that. My sister. <laughs> it's uh, it's definitely on the table as a good option for us. Um, yeah. So I'll uh, I'm definitely gonna stick out my air force career at least until retirement um which is that would be a 20-year point and then i'm not really sure then we're kind of up in the air but uh the uh the airlines are i mean if 
you can get a job in airline there. It's a good option. <laughs> yeah. What, what is next for you? You think, um, we're going to head back to the States this summer, the end of this summer. And, uh, just kind of back to the, back to, uh, air force job. Casey's going to try to uh, find a, find another job, uh, as a nurse practitioner. She just, she just, uh, just found out this morning. She passed her medical interpreter class. So she's, hey, uh, all right. she's a medical interpreter. She's a nurse practitioner <laughs> slash interpreter. So she has like a piece of paper now that officially says she can speak Spanish and she can right. interpret English to Spanish, which is great. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, hopefully you get recalled, uh, start flying again and then, uh, go from there. 20, when's your, so 20 years from when you graduated. Yeah. So, so the, the military has a 20 year, requirement to retire, um, Mm -hmm. with a pension, which is pretty cool. And then, so that would be for me, 2029 and then, uh, probably do something else, get another either aviation related job, flying related job or not. I'm not really sure yet. Yeah. And then, you know, with Casey, she could be a flight attendant. Yeah. Work together. (laughs) I I doubt it. I doubt it. They'll just keep uh, keep seeing patients. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and taking the time to talk with me about your experience and just point another side to wrestling that I think some people don't, you know, don't realize is even there at times, you know, the yeah. Air Force Academy and the military and what, how much, how would, that's completely, you said there's a lot of different worlds to wrestling. You, you lived a different, a completely different one than a lot of other people. Yeah. One, uh, one thing I want to, I wrote this down the other day when you asked me to do this <laughs> and I wanted, I, I, I think I, it's something I learned maybe more recently mm-hmm. that I, well, it's a quote, it's a quote from the great artist, Bob Ross, uh, oh, that the I great artist just, Bob Ross <laughs> just applies perfectly to wrestling. Yeah. And also like to flying and actually a lot of stuff, but uh, he said, talent, talent is just applied interest and anything, anything you practice, you can do or some, uh, so paraphrase, but talent is just applied interest. And I think that's perfect for wrestling because that like defines my experience where I wasn't very good at wrestling. I had an interest, I applied it. And then I got a little bit of talent. I never got a lot of talent, but I can see, and it's the same with flying. It's the same with really anything we do. Mm-hmm. Um, Bob Ross also, uh, he's a air force, air force guy. He's, I don't know. That's maybe, he doesn't say that in his shows, but he's retired air force. Uh, really? Yeah. 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 So I, I think that's pretty cool. And I think it, I like to think of like how his, his life was like, he was in the air force for 20 years. I think he did something with the radios. And then he like learned, he was interested in art. He learned to paint. He learned a specific style of painting so he could paint beautiful paintings in like a half hour or during mm-hmm. the show. And he applied that interest and he learned the skill because it's a skill. And then and that's what he says this in his shows. And he's just like, and then he made a career out of it. Right. And super, super famous, uh, uh, <clears throat> successful. And he like also yeah. sold a bunch of paints. And so like, I think of like wrestling, Air Force, whatever we're doing, you know, nothing happens overnight, right? So like, right. you're not going to get good at wrestling in a day. And there are people who are just phenoms, right? Like, who are competing at the Olympics when they're, you know, in their college college years. Uh, but that's not everybody. And those people, they didn't get there 
either like overnight. I'm sure they've been training hard since they were like very young. Right. So they've been like, yeah. maybe putting in the time. And so I think the idea for 99.99% of the population is that if we want to be good at something, we got to, and maybe for everybody. And there's a lot of yeah. you know training that goes in that you just don't even see. Uh, and so like that, I don't know. I think, I think that's pretty relevant to uh, this discussion about wrestling and really just anything we want to do in life. Yeah. A hundred percent, you know? Um, yeah. People come in and sometimes they're naturally good, but you know, the saying goes natural talent only takes you so far. I mean, you, you, you know, you said some of the phenoms who came in and yeah, they've won Olympic Olympics and then still went to college. You know, you could still see the gains that they've made, you know, like Gable Stevenson, for example, His freshman year till now, you can see how much better he's gotten. You know, yeah. I mean, he's always been, I mean, he's amazing, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Unstoppable. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, even now he's even more unstoppable, you know? So yeah. it's like, yeah. But he didn't get to that. I mean, I, I don't know Gable Steepson at all, but I'm sure he didn't get to that point like on accident, you know, yeah. like I'm sure it took this countless hours of training and practice and training and practice and like, you know, his whole lifestyle was dedicated to that. So yeah. Anyway, for what it's worth. Yeah. Yeah. No, I agree. And just like, you know, just like Maverick, you know, Maverick didn't just hop in a plane and all of a sudden he was, no. didn't you just know, hop in a plane. No, no, he had to work at it. And then he became yeah. really good and defeated Iceman. So <laughs> yeah, that's, that's my dream. <laughs> really? <laughs> no. <laughs> is, is there, is there some like sometimes when, you know, you're wrestling and you're wrestling for one school and you see like a rival school and you're like, Ooh, is that like a thing in the air force and like the Navy? Like, Oh, Hey, we're, we're air force pilots. Ooh, you're Navy pilots. Ooh. Like, no, not no. serious. <laughs> I mean, a little bit like, oh, they do it differently. They're a bunch of weirdos, but not like, not like, not seriously. I think yeah. pretty much all, I mean, agree that, you know, we, we're on the same team. Yeah. <laughs> Try, you know, generally after the, uh, uh, yeah, we're all on the same team. So I, I don't really see that. Um, some, I mean, like, definitely like I'll fly around and there'll be like a bunch of army helicopters doing their thing really low because they always fly really low uh <clears throat> relatively i mean they're helicopters right yeah and so it just they just fly differently but um also because they're helicopters they're rotor ruling so it's just it's just a different world but i would never be like oh they're doing it you know, wrong, <laughs> like that it's just like i would say not at all no like when, i mean uh, when you pass when you your honk at them and some some aviation we're just not around like navy pilots i just don't i just don't really interact with them really at all because like you know they're it's just different different bases different locations different missions so really you kind of get in the air force at least from, from my experience you kind of get in your uh like kind of in your stovepipe i guess you know mm -hmm. and like it isn't until you're a little bit more experienced you kind of start to reach out of it and, and see other things but when you first get started you're pretty much just it's all air force aviation um you're not really interacting with with the other services much yeah Okay. Like you, like you might think, you know, it depends. I'm sure on the job, and there's, there's obviously going to be tons of exceptions, but that's maybe yeah. one. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you bringing up that Bob Ross quote, or at least paraphrasing it. It's a good, good way to kind of leave people thinking and, you know, looking yeah. well, self-reflection on their own. You know, the, 
the right part is talent is just applied interest. And I think that yeah. is just perfect. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. something that we shouldn't, uh, we should, we shouldn't forget when we're trying to learn new things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're not going to be good right off the bat. Yeah. No doubt. I, I wasn't good at wrestling right off the bat either. You know, <laughs> you know I probably wasn't good at this podcast either. So, <laughs> but yeah, if you, if you like it enough and you're driven enough, you're, you'll become good. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Special thanks to my guest, Steve Crozier, for taking the time to sit down and chat with me. Cover art created and designed by Kristen Gill. Please feel free to rate, comment, and subscribe to the podcast. You can also check me out on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat to hear more of my content. And as always, be sure to tune in to hear the next guest of the Let's Talk Wrestling podcast. Take care, and we will see you next time. (laughs) 